What up? Welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 289. On this episode, I'm joined by Koopy. Talk about the Patreon, merch shop, a bunch of books, a bunch of TV shows, Woodstock 99, and a bunch of other shit in between. Uh, Thanks for checking us out. What up? We're joined by Koopy. Hey. Uh, making sure everything's working around here. Trying to, but I just got scalded. Scalded? Scalded. Yeah, I think it's scalded. Scald would be hot. Makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, so don't, don't be doing that shit, Koopy. Sorry. Um, all right. I got to tell people <laughs> about our Patreon. We're just patreon.com slash podcast and Go there and give us money. You give us enough money, you can be a co-producer like my mother, Hurricane Haynes, Marshall, the Dharma Initiative Bear, itchaboyh2.com, and Graveyard Entertainment. Uh, all of our co-producers keeping us going to live the dream of making myself busy to make a podcast. <laughs> it's so stressful, but yet he seems to enjoy it. Yeah, I've tried to explain to people that I think all of my endeavors, I just keep myself really busy because when I'm not, I feel worse. Kind of like the last couple of days, I've been like, kind of bored because i just haven't been feeling like anything like i i way prefer being busy than feeling like i'm just sitting around doing nothing well you could be doing projects you just haven't gotten in the mindset to do one yeah maybe it's all me but anyway <laughs> um also we have a merch shop shop.spreadshirt.com slash podcast mo if you want a shirt or coffee mug or something like that coffee mugs are cool yeah they are cool people drink coffee out of them right here i should get one i uh i don't use coffee mugs in my life, but we don't have a lot of room for mugs because I do love them and buy them a lot. But I've lately just resorted to this one thermos. Yeah, I, I'm a big thermos fan. Keeps it hot for the whole morning. Um, you feel more professional. People can't judge how light colored your coffee is when you got the lid on. They can't see. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just a big, big fan of the thermoses. Um, so anyway, Kubi, when you're here, uh, you know, we just go over the books you read. And then uh, since the last time you were on here, and it looks like you have five. There's one not pictured here, but I I, I have five books for the month of July. And then uh, we'll talk about some stuff we watch because we watch a bunch of shit as well around here. Um, so uh, how'd your month go reading? It went okay. Um, I really have gotten into audiobooks pretty pretty heavy lately because that's just seems to be how it goes these days. So. Um, with the help of audiobooks, I read five books, but I actually only read two of them myself. So, oh yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. We might change this whole segment. Well, you know, this. I think we have to give everybody some grace in the last couple years, and this is me giving myself grace. Oh, right on. So, uh, what was the first one? Um, the first one, since it's not here, I'll talk about it, so I won't forget it. It was called Seven Days in June. And I had to look up the author because I had forgotten. Her name is Tia Williams, Seven Days in June. Sounds like a porn title. And it kind of is about sex. It's about a neurotic book writer. She writes like fantasy erotic stuff. Um, gets in contact with this other adult book writer who writes just, um, 
you know, literally literally literary literary acclaimed books. Um, so they have very different styles, but his are also quite sexy books or whatever. Right. But they have a romance together, and it turns out that they knew each other a long time ago. The first time they met was seven days in June when they were in high school. So it starts off with them as adults, but then it goes back in time to when they first met and kind of just this um, strange relationship that they had. Um, <clears throat> there were definitely moments in the book where I felt like this is a very toxic relationship, but that's kind of how a lot of relationships are. So it's not necessarily a book to read um, if you're looking for a healthy romance, but it definitely was interesting and I liked the characters. Um, and yeah, so that was the first book I read. It was a Reese Witherspoon uh, book for, I guess, June. It was her June pick. Makes sense. I think it came out in June, mm, but I didn't get to smart. it. I didn't get to it until July. Um, so that was the first book I read. I gave it four out of five stars. Right on. It was interesting. I liked it. And towards the end, I re- I've now that I'm thinking about it, I did cry a few times. Like there were definitely some emotional moments that gave it the four star. I think it was going to be a three star up until the very end. And I was like, I'll bump it up to four. Right. Um. So yeah, <clears throat> this next book is called Solo. And this one is by Kwame Alexander. And this is a novel written in verse, which means it's written in poetry form. Right. It still tells um, a story. The poems are all connected and they create an overarching story. But the um, main style creates a lot of rhythm and it's just easy for reluctant readers. And so this book is geared towards young adults and it is about a young boy. Um, his name is Blade. His father is this super famous rock star and he's always grown up in the limelight. And he finds out that the woman who raised him, his mother, after she died, she left this letter And it reveals that he was actually adopted. And so throughout the book, he is searching for his identity and it takes him um, to Africa where his birth mother is not um, from, but she's there working in, um, I guess, I guess they're in Ghana. And so he goes to seek her out and meet her and they have this big reunion. You know, he's the son of a rock star. So money's not an issue. He's managed You know, they make that clear. So he gets over there and meets her and it's, you know, also a bonding experience with his father because he ends up going. Um, And yeah, it was a good story. I think young adults would enjoy it. It definitely um, is a quick, easy read. So for, you know, kids who like, Music and um, lyrical style of writing. This would be a good one to suggest. And there's another book. It's not in the same. It's not like in the same world, or I guess it is the same world, but it's called Swing. It's not connected to this one, but it's very similar in style. Gotcha. And what'd you say you rated that one? I think I gave Solo a full five stars. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Um, I gave it a full five stars. because I felt like it was good, like a great book for young readers. For me personally, um, not necessarily like, I don't know, top tier, but I felt like if I was reading it as a young person, I would probably really like it a lot. Right. Gotcha. 
And the next book is called Half Sick of Shadows by Laura Sebastian. And this is a King Arthur retelling. Um, And it's a new adult book. So Laura Sebastian is known for writing young adult, but this is her first attempt. So what's the difference between young adult and new adult? Basically, it would be like the difference between um, PG-13 and R, probably. Oh, that's not young adult isn't PG-13. Adults implies an 18. Young adult is typically geared towards 13 to 18. And then oh, new new adult would be 18 to like 21. To me, that would just be young adult. but And then the other one would be teenagers. Well, like Twilight, but, for example, is a young adult book. Yeah, that should be teenagers. But that Well, there's middle grade. There's early. There's yeah, like, so I thought like they're just missing a label between middle grade and young adult. Middle grade definitely feels very elementary to me a lot of times. But there should like be some between fourth, that for fifth grade. Yeah, high school age people. Because high school age people aren't young adults. They're high school age people. Well, they would be con- like a lot of like the Sarah J. Mass books, the ones with all the fairies. And yeah. that is considered new adult, but it's often in the young adult section. But there are a lot of parents who wouldn't want their middle schoolers reading it or whatever. Yeah, I, mean, I just think they need it. Seems like they need another yeah. one in there. It's Maybe. definitely like a weird area. But and I, young and new are very similar to the same thing. So this whole so I would say new adult. new adult has just more sex in it than young adult. Gotcha. And then like this one also deals with, I mean, young adult also deals with heavy concepts like suicide and um, eating disorders. Like all of that is in young adult fiction. But new adult seems to just be more graphic and content, I guess. I see. But it's not quite. Adult. Adult. Is adult implied like triple X? Um, no, I think it's just more considered like, well, yeah, yeah. That if you get are getting into like the, this also I think has to do a lot with like the fantasy genre. Um, cause fantasy gets really weird if you right. are into like adult fantasy. Like in the video game world, which I'm more familiar with, there are, you know, the teen mature, there's all those ratings and then there's adults only, but no one like Microsoft at PlayStation, Nintendo, they won't license you to put them out on their machine. So some people make them, you can buy like off websites, but yeah. they're rated AO and like no one's going to sell those in stores. Books don't really get ratings quite like that. I mean, there are like categories, I guess, for age groups, but yeah. it's so much more fluid. Um, but there's definitely like some groups that I'm in that are considered like after dark fantasy after dark. And that's like X rated yeah, adult yeah. They still have from BET, but yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, BET might take it from someone else. I don't know, but it's just like late stuff that the kids are asleep for. <laughs> right. I understand. But so anyway, anyway, Half Sick of Shadows is considered a new adult, so it's kind of like she's stepping out of her YA. Um, she's fucking everything in this book. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Um, but it's a King Arthur retelling. So some of you who are like medieval legend fan t- fans, you probably know a lot about the lore of King Arthur. But this focuses from the perspective of the Lady of Shalott. Her name is Elaine, and she is an oracle. She can see the future, but she can't, you know, it always has different interpretations. Um, it, it can happen, but it doesn't mean it will happen sort of thing. So she her goal is to try to protect Arthur and make sure he gets to the throne and inherits the kingdom and can create peace 
um, and Camelot with because, you know, it's a very conservative um, kingdom and they hate the Fae. And so she the goal is for King Arthur to create kind of like this bridge between the Fae and the mortals so that they're not living in fear of each other. Um, and so in it, you have, you know, all of the famous characters, Arthur's love interest, um, Guinevere, you have his sister, um, Morgana, um, you have, um, Lancelot is the Lady of Shalott's love interest, and then you have, you know, um, Sir Gawain is how I say it, but you say it differently. Well, uh, Gawain. They just came out with a movie called The Green Knight, and they call him Gawain, I believe. Well, I just always grew up reading it, Gawain, for some reason. Right. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Um, but anyway, all of those characters are in the story. You also have the Lady of the Lake and Merlin, and it's just another retelling of King Arthur from the Lady of Shalott's perspective, and it has kind of like a feminist re- retelling. If you know the story of Lady of Shalott, it's like a sad story about this girl who who committed suicide after Lancelot refused to marry her, but this kind of like takes a spin on that and gives Elaine the power, not Lancelot. Um, and the suicide was for greater good for Arthur, not for Lancelot is kind of how this story goes. I see. So, yeah, nothing a whole lot different, but I do like a good medieval fantasy type story every now and then. Right. Okay. Up next is a really popular release. Um, it's called Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Vomit, vomit, clean it up with Comet. You don't know Malibu's most wanted. Okay. Anyway. No, I didn't know that reference. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This book is set in the 80s, and it's about, uh, gosh, so many things. Okay, so you have the the mother-father storyline, and they meet in the 60s, and he becomes a famous singer, rock star, and they have all these kids together, and he doesn't help raise any of them. And so then in the 80s, you have the kids and they are um, like famous in the surfing world. Uh, this There's a sister and brother. It's a sister and two brothers. And one brother is a photographer. One brother is like a super famous surfer. And then the sister is more just a model, but she can surf. And so they just grew up really famous. Um, every year they host this big, huge party in Malibu that all of the celebrities come to. And so each year it kind of checks in like what's happening at that party year after year. Um, And ultimately the father shows up at the party long after his mother or their mother is dead. And he tries to reconnect with the kids and they're kind of bitter about how he treated them and things like that. Um, It was a really big anticipated release. I liked it, but I kind of um, felt like it kind of fell flat. It didn't really have enough in it for me to um, think it was amazing. It just is like these rich kids who grew up in Malibu. And yeah, yeah they had a sad thought, like their father wasn't around and they didn't reap the benefits of being his children, except for in name, which gave them a leg up in, the, right. in different industries because they had his name. But other than that, it makes you want to watch Malibu's Most Wanted. So figure out where that's streaming. It was a good summer summer vibes book. So if you are looking for something to read with summer themes, check out Malibu Rising. 
it'll probably be a movie. All right. And then last is What's Mine and Yours by um, Nemea Coster. And this book is a, it's one of those um, like generational stories that I like. It follows two different families and like you have the mothers in each family and then the kids in each family. So you're looking at the different generations perspectives and it's focused around um, kind of like rezoning neighborhoods in this. I can't remember what city it's set in. It's a big city, but they want to rezone it so that these predominantly black communities will now go to these affluent white schools and have, you know, quote unquote, better opportunities. Right. Um, we've listened to some different podcasts on <clears throat> yeah, this. There's a podcast. Uh, I think it was on Serial. No, not on Serial. Uh, man, what was that shit? But anyway, yeah, it was about the people in I think New it was York called City Dear School. White Parents. No, Nice White Parents. Two Nice White Parents. Something like that, yeah. But um, anyway, anyway, I think they did release on Serial and it was like a mini series of five episodes. But anyway, something like that. So. But this story focuses on um, two families from, you know, different sides of the argument. You have the white mom who is actually raising daughters who are half Latina, but she doesn't really accept that. She just always raises them as white, even though their father's side of the family is Latino. Um so that's kind of an interesting thing to consider. And then you have the other family who is a black family and it's a mother raising a son. And um, so the son meets one of the daughters and because they're working on a school play together. And so it's just kind of how these two families lives all of a sudden are entwined and just their different uh, prejudices are coming to light and they're having to face how this is impacting their children and what kind of world do they want their children to live in. So it's very um, relevant to today. If uh, that's something that interests you, it's called what's mine and yours. And it came out last fall. So it took me a while to get to it, but it's technically, I would say a new release because it came out within the last year. I think it's interesting that if you raise them as a kid as quote unquote white, that basically just means you don't at all talk about your culture. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what it means nowadays. Kind of. Yeah. Because I would say I was growing up. I was raised white and my parents couldn't tell me fucking one drop of where they're from. You right. know what I mean? Like there's no we just don't talk about it. I guess it's also depending on where you live would be like the church, some white people, churches though, you go to. Yeah. Some say one. Some people are like they care a great deal that they're Irish and shit like that. So like, um, yeah, go Catholic. And yeah. They'll be like, oh, no, no, I'm from. My family went through the potato famine. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, those were the five books I read or listened to. <laughs> and then the serial podcast, I'm going to see if I can find, is it the Improvement Association? Um, no, that's the thing about uh, fucking voter fraud. It um, was something about well-intended Yeah, it's white. called Nice White Parents. Nice White Parents. And there's five episodes on the serial podcast feed. And, and it's basically how they're well-intentioned, but. Yeah, it's well-intentioned, but just basically through, at least when it first started, of getting rid of desegregation what ended up happening is you just all the black teachers lost their jobs right because if they were going to just have one school then we couldn't have them anymore and then black students go to schools in which the white teachers are unable to connect yeah they don't connect and they're racist maybe we can say it's accidental if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt but they do things that are like over years has now 
made those populations feel a certain type of way. I don't know. It was really interesting. And then they keep going to different decades in this one school system and how they just keep trying all these different things. And every one of the iterations seem fucking stupid. <laughs> and it kind of just says, you know, ultimately we shouldn't just rezone. You should just uh, give everyone more money <laughs> right? in their own like neighborhood. When they start stuff. making the school that they're talking about, they put it on this line so that white and black kids will both go there. And that's like a benefit. And all the white people before the school's built are like, we want our kids to go to school with black kids. We want diversity. But then when the school gets made, they all do a lot of fucking work to make sure their kids go to the schools that don't have the diversity. Right. And so it's like there's a lot of uh, preaching beforehand and not following through when, when it happens. And they interviewed those people that were like, and they're like, oh, I just forgot about it. It took five years. And by then my kid was in this school and I want to, yeah. you know, they always have some excuse. But when you look at it from this hindsight view, you're like, ah. It's awesome. Crazy. And New York's crazy because the way they have like so many schools and you try to get in a different ones. I mean, you didn't have it. No, as you just went to where you had to go yeah. to. I mean, it's where you live. You went to that school. Um, anyway, yeah, it's pretty interesting. If you wanted to transfer, you had to go through some pretty extreme hoops. Um, all right. And then we also watch some TV stuff. So what? Oh, what has stuck out to you the most? Well, um, I'm just finishing up a show that you have not been watching. I started it with my grandma. A f- like a week or so ago and it's called The Cook of Castamar and it's originally in Spanish but I've been watching it dubbed and it's kind of like a sexier Downton Abbey it has more um, nudity and right. lusty scenes um, but it has that upstairs downstairs feel where you're you know you're following the servants downstairs and then the rich nobles upstairs and kind of how their lives intertwine so if that's your thing, I really like historical period pieces. I know that's not for everyone, but that's on Netflix. Right. And then uh, we've made it to almost done with season three of The Wire. I think we have one more episode. Yes. Um, definitely season one's been the best. I, didn't, I don't know. I like season three quite a bit. Season two, I didn't hate towards the end, but it took a long time. And then season three, I haven't really gotten into it. See, I like season three. Uh, because of the Marlowe character. At first, you don't like him, um, but he is very cold-blooded, and he shows how much... Uh, he shows the weaknesses of Avon and Stringer and all their shit, you know? Like, it all that comes... Like, their stuff falls apart, and I, I can enjoy that part. And I like Hamsterdam. I like where they're like, we've just put a part of the city in which all the druggies hang out. Like, just that idea is a funny <laughs> concept. Not funny. On. It's sad. Uh, I guess. Pushing it down into where I, actual I believe, neighborhoods and stuff are. I, be, I agree with the concept of Amsterdam at the moment. Uh, I mean, I don't remember how it falls apart. Cause it's been a while since I watched The Wire. But this whole like, yeah, but all the other neighborhoods where people live, their neighborhoods are better. So fuck it. Put all the druggies down in the abandoned houses mm-hmm. and let them have their own little shitty neighborhood. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of for it. Um, and then we were watching Dave. Yeah, I think it's got like four episodes out right now. Four or five. Uh, I think it might be more than that. Really? Yeah. They just go by they're, and they're short. Yeah, say they're 30 minutes, so they're quick. But yeah. the last one had some good song, had a good song on it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, we'll see how it ends. You know, I don't know if there's ever like a real direction. I don't know how much this is just him being like, hey, they're paying me and this is a way for me to get my music out there without actually putting out new music because he hasn't in a long time. Um yeah, basically, or, like, I don't know if it's just his, his vehicle to show off his talent or if there's like a real story. Well, basically, to all the story is that he's struggling to put out an album. Right. So uh, maybe in the real life, he's putting out the album that he has on the show at the same time or something. I don't know. What the, 
what yeah. the goal is going to be. But um, but it's got some sad vibes. For sure. And for I liked uh, the next last episode from the time we are where they the flashback episode from where when Jesus came out and it inspired oh, him. And, all that, like, and he's doing like the three group or the group. Like it goes back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Into yeah. the timeline. Between the double XL freestyle and that. Yeah. I thought that was a good episode. That was a good episode. It definitely kept my interest. Yeah. So maybe they'll do more of that stuff, you know, more of the filling out the backstory. Uh, but it has been pretty decent. And it's such a quarantine show because it was the first show that came out after quarantine started. Like of last year, it was the first like new show. And I remember being like, well, hell yeah, because not much stuff's going to come out. And that's why all these episodes are a certain way because he filmed them all during all the, yeah. So, um, well, he's got to in for that. And then I have on this list the Olympics. Yes, we've been watching it here and there because it's on our cable channel. Antenna. Yeah. Antenna channel. Yeah, we just, uh, they're kind of behind, you know. We're like, for instance, last night, we're watching all of, all of the heats of the 100-meter dash, you know, which is like, you know, the prelims to see who goes to the finals. They're like, and we'll be back later for the finals. And we're like, all right, so, you know, it might be like in an hour or something. But then they come back and be like, all right, by the way, to watch the finals, you have to log on to the Peacock app and you can watch it tonight or tomorrow at eight. Yeah. So that's just kind of crazy how they have it all set up. It is horseshit. Um, all right. And then we watch Friends. The Friends re- friends Reunion, and I realized just today that you wanted to watch that, and I didn't watch it with you, and I feel bad. It's okay. I'm not worried about it. But yeah, The Friends Reunion was good. Um, a lot of people gave it some crap, but I thought it was um, good, especially after just finishing the eight or ten seasons, however long. Right. Ten seasons. Um But yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised at how they don't really remember the episodes. Like they would be like, no, I don't remember. I'm like, how do you not remember? You you did this, and they really just don't like they don't watch them or know the episodes right. like the fans well, do. See, that's not weird to me. I watch I listen to all the Office ladies, and a lot of these, this is their first time to really go back and watch them, and they're like, I forgot all about that. You know, once they watch it, they do, but they're like, I would, you know, they wouldn't have thought about a lot of this. Yeah, stuff. so I think they've all watched them at one point or another, but they don't know the episodes like we do. So that was kind of that stuck out. They gave them, they gave made them do a. What was the game that they played um, that Ross made up for the apartment? I don't know. Well, they made the cast play that game about the, a trivia game about the show to reenact kind of that that episode. Right on. Yeah. So that was Friends Reunion. Yeah. And then one of my favorite shows these days, it really bummed me out this week. It's called Alone. I'm going to talk about it way too much. And they just decided they weren't going to have a new episode. They put out like a weird... Yeah, last week they put out uh, after the new episode a craziest shit that's ever happened in the show episode. So I guess that was supposed to be a filler for this week, maybe. But yeah, they didn't come out with an actual new episode. Yeah, and then so I was like, God damn it! Um, I look into that, and then I thought, I mean, I figured it out. You know, they just skipped this week for some reason. So uh, next week, hopefully, they'll be back. But that that is definitely a show. But this a big thing that uh, is different in this show than or this season than the others would be. How many grizzly bears are just in their vicinity? Yeah, well, I think they live, they're doing it all in like a grizzly bear reserve. Reserve, yeah, a place where you're not allowed to kill them. So the bears have naturally gone there over time because they don't get shot there. And so, um, yeah, they people like every episode, someone sees a grizzly bear or two. And then uh, people freak out like, oh my God, I could fucking die. And then, 
So every episode <laughs> you think someone's going to have a big encounter, it usually doesn't amount to anything, but they right. psych you up for it. Yeah. So it's fun. And my thought all the time is uh, they should be able to try to kill them and eat them. But I understand like it's against the law at that area. But um, people do that. People eat bears in the world, you know, and these people are starving and shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a couple of really good characters on this season. But some have already gone home. Well, there, there's or two I've really to. liked. Uh, well, three, I guess. Thinking there's the thing off the top of my head. Um, there's a guy who shoots a deer, and so I, I liked him from the beginning, only because he reminds me of someone around here. And I was like, I bet he does pretty well. Um, you know, he's like that hunter top guy, but he had a good attitude. And then there's um a big Samoan looking guy. I don't oh, know yeah, exactly what he is. sings. He's fun. Yeah, he sings like Jack Black and shit out there. And he's in a pagan band and in a metal band. See, and I thought he might just be Native American. I see. I mean, who knows? I don't know. Um, but he does really well. Um, way better than you would would have thought, given him being like, oh, yeah, I'm in a band. And you aren't thinking he's going to go out there and survive and shit, but he's done pretty good. And he has the most extra weight. So I said at the beginning, he'll do the best because people with extra weight can normally starve the longest. But he has weak ankles. He has weak ankles. And then there's also a guy who like lives up in Alaskan little islands and he takes care of those. And he's up there just eating fucking mushrooms and mold and she's like he, he'll eat anything he's like oh it's all fun i'm just he has these big goggle glasses and <laughs> he, this is like his lifestyle yeah he just does this so you're like he could so those three are all good and then there's a couple others that are there's a lot of ladies yeah a lot of ladies that are doing good one we didn't really like and she finally went home there's a blonde haired lady she had something wrong every episode Yeah, every episode she was crying about some shit so um and there's one english lady i liked but she's kind of She's a little kooky. <laughs> yeah. A little kooky. Uh, and then other reality shows, uh, you know, Big Brother has started. Oh, yeah. I don't even have that one on my list, but Big Brother is our one reality show that we actually tune into. Yeah, like watch them all live and all that shit. Or not live, live. Now we would do them the next day. But I keep texting Pow Wow. I talked to him last week on this podcast. And he said they're going to watch it. He claims to not, I think, of the day of this recording, they're finally going to try to catch up on them. And I told him these first few weeks have been good. It's been a good run. I don't really have like a standout favorite. Yeah, me either. Um, so that's unusual. I normally have like a good feel about someone in particular. Um, and that's just not happening at the moment. But they've been entertaining. Right. Well, people, uh, I enjoy when people are very full of themselves and they think they're doing something real awesome. But then with us as the viewers seeing it, we know they're wrong. Right. Like I just enjoy, that's what I enjoy the most about reality shows. Like I think like even watching ink master and someone's like, Oh, i got the perfect design. And they flash to a judge. You're like, that design fucking sucks. And you're yeah. like, Oh man, they don't even know. Like that's what makes the, the enjoying the watch. So, uh, I just really enjoyed this last week. The guy just really thought he was running the game and he was not, <laughs> it was very entertaining. Yeah. It was a good one. Good week. So we'll have a new one of those. Or we'll be watching that, I guess, all of August. Yeah. And probably probably ends in September, I guess. And then I had one more reality show, which is Big Timber. Yeah, it's kind of a reality. I mean, it's real. It's a live different show. Type, right. It's not a competition reality show. It's just uh, it's one of those Discovery Channel shows. Where, uh, you know, this guy it lives in Canada, Vancouver Island, same place they do the loan show, actually. And uh, he has a claim to cut down fucking trees and he logs them. And I don't know shit about logging, but they're all entertaining, you know, and the way they film it and edit it. And you're like, oh, this seems like a hard fucking job. I'll it just does log-. seem like a hard job. And it seems like a kind of a mess. Yeah. Like they don't really have the staff to do it 
properly. And a lot of their equipment is bought um, secondhand auction. Like, I think, like, the second episode, they're like, and this thing was invented during World War II by the Dutch to do what, you know, something totally different than what they were using it for. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> but they're making it work, and they got it their own show, so they must be doing something right. Yeah. But, yeah, that's called Big Timber. And then I guess um, a scripted show we really like, but it's come to an end, was Atypical Season 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you haven't watched the first two seasons of Atypical, I can't really... I'm not in season four. Okay, maybe four. Uh, but yeah, either way, it's it's over now. Yeah. But the main character, it starts off with him in high school. I think yeah. his name is Sam, and yep. he has autism, and he has an older sister, Casey, who's a bit of a bully, but she loves him. And... She's a track runner. Yeah. Little twig of a person. And runs. so it's kind of just, you know, a family story. Their mother. The mom's annoying as fuck, but you got to have her. And then the dad is great. I can't remember his name. Uh, Michael Rappaport is the actor. He's um, one of my favorites. So we really like that show. It's definitely more of like a family show. I mean, it's that that show. And then also being on Facebook. This is kind of random. Being on Facebook and having a friend I graduated with high school who has a son who's autistic. It's like the combination of those two things has made me like I rarely say the word retard. Right. Like so in hip hop culture and stuff. Well, I'm glad you've uh, learned. <laughs> right. That Well, I'm just like, I hear people all the time say the word retard. I do think when you watch a show like that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's I probably shouldn't because it lets you like someone like me. I've never known anyone in my life that was mentally challenged. That I was close to. And so I do think the show is good, at, like showing you that perspective. It has definitely a negative connotation to that word. And if you look it up and it has all that meaning, that's one thing. But the way people use it is a whole other meaning. Right. And so, yeah, I, it's definitely. um I guess sometimes it takes a little bit of empathy to realize that. Right. I, mean, I think same with transparent. I think the, yeah, I think when we watch the show transparent, it just opened our eyes a whole world we shouldn't know about. You know, it's a similar type of thing. We're like, oh, I'm trying to be quite as much of an asshole about it or whatever. Um, you got anything else on your list? I have one more that the show we watched last night. But. I think that's all, all on my list. Yeah, we watched. Uh, so the Ringer, um, which is a website at Podcast Network ran by Bill Simmons. I'm a big fan of all that. They have. I guess five episodes. I think the series is called Music Box. You said you thought you saw. I thought that's what. Maybe that's just the production company, but yeah. it's about. It's like a. I think I know his plan is to have five different music documentaries come out in the next however long, like over the next year. And this is the first one, but it's about Woodstock '99. And um, the thing I thought they did really, really well with it um, is they show they showed a very brief thing of Woodstock. 69 you know the original mm -hmm. and then woodstock 94 which i didn't really know existed and so they're like they do a good setup of this is why they think it's gonna work right because these two it things well kind of went well and then um basically they get an air for a retired air force base throw woodstock there um charge a whole bunch of money for water there's it's like 90 percent white wow. guys Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, just in general, like not like there's the a few black people and there's a few, uh, you know, women here and there. Uh, but yeah, a lot of angry white dude sort of vibes. And so, yeah, by the end, I mean, it ends up they light the whole motherfucking thing on fire and like, yeah, they torched the stages and were ripping them down and it was intense. I mean, it ends horribly, but it's still worth watching the journey. And then like the I mean, from day one, it was already a mess. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be a, just a disaster. But it's one of those things where you just you have to watch how it unfolds. Right. And L L the main promoter guy, he still blames Fred Durst, like Fred Durst <laughs> going out there and agging on the crowd 
that's what made the Red riot hot happen. Chili peppers played fire when they were setting everything on fire. Yeah, and then I thought it was. I was glad because I liked The Offspring a lot as a kid. But I don't know anything about them, and so I was glad that the media is like, "Oh, I used to love The Offspring." It shows the lead singer being like, "Hey guys, can we quit molesting the women that are crowd yeah. surfing?" Like he's trying to help. So that was another big thing. A lot of uh, women were molested and sexually assaulted um, at this event. They kind of touch on that, and. Um, I don't know. It's they also they talk a lot about the culture of 99, just the year itself, the scandals with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. um, And I guess just kind of the general misogyny of girls gone wild. So that kind of couples in with just how women, I guess, were being treated at the concert. They kind of try to make these parallels to what's happening in society. Yeah, they definitely touch on at the concert, the women a lot. And like a lot of like show me your tits culture, like Mm -hmm. all the guys are showing me your tits. But and all the videos showed some of the girls seemed freely open and cool with it. But then again, that made other women feel like they had like it's kind of one of those things where it's like, did they really want to do it or did they feel pressured to do it? Right. Did society make them feel like that was the only way women should behave? Like there's right. a lot of um, social lenses you have to look at that through. Right. It 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 was all crazy. A guy died. Um, yeah, it was a sad. That was the saddest bit. For sure, because you had some journal entries from his experience from there. Scott's diary. He was just so excited to see Metallica and ends just, up done. It was so, so unsafe, the conditions that everyone were um, Right. But it was a very in. good documentary. Um, and then at the very end, they compared it to, at the same year, they had Coachella's first yeah. concert festival. Um, and just how different it was. And in chill. Comparison. But now it's pretty. But yeah. now it's, now it's commercialized. But yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, I thought yeah, it was really I'd good. like to see some more uh, stuff that they put out. Yeah, we'll see. I also want to do the one on Hulu every time we watch David shows. Yeah, it's the Summer of Soul, I think. Yeah, it's like a soul festival from back in the day. And I've always been very familiar. I guess VH1 did a documentary back in the day when I was in college or something about the Monterey Pop Festival of uh, 1964. And I always thought that was so cool. And it was way cooler than Woodstock 69. And then so since then, I've always liked music documentaries like that. But yeah, we'll it always to seems to be a shit Summer show. Summer of Soul soon. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right. Well, I don't really have anything else. No. Nope. Uh, still sad. My last episode got cut off with Snappy. It almost know. happened on this one. It did. And we'll see if y'all can tell where we had to go back <laughs> and restart. I'm sure it'll be obvious, but who knows? Um, I think that means I need a new audio interface and my storm. The storm obviously did something. Yeah. That's causing some issues with it. But uh, I only have so much money. No, you know, yeah. So, so eventually. contribute to the Patreon. Yeah, you know, maybe we should do like a <laughs> some sort of drive, you know, fundraise, a 24-hour live stream drive where Kubi will take all the phone calls. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, peace. Bye.